0: Everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Topic
1: Thunder. Here from the top ten, I am John Roca, And I am Matt Nosen this is a show we do each and every week for our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the top ten with the number ten. They send in whatever topics, questions they'd like us to answer, and we just uh we don't know what they are beforehand. We answer them as they come in.
0: Yeah. Let's get it on. Let's uh, get it on. Are you fir- are you first this time? I think you're
1: first this time. I think okay. so. Okay, go ahead, my man. Uh, this comes from Jason McDonald. It's called Old Prestige, and it Yikes. says, Fellas, my friends and I recently got into a debate about vertigo, which led me to say that a lot of movies that litter these greatest lists hang their hats on influence, which I think is a b- different debate, hmm. and being made at a certain time in film history. The average release year for the Sight and Sound list is 1959. I mean, The Searchers is number seven on that list, and it's aged like some of my more racist family members. Not great. (laughs) I don't think a lot of these movies live up to the reputations. Vertigo isn't a better movie than Cuckoo's Nest or There Will Be Blood or a lot of other movies made in the past 50 years. Or am I completely full of shit in this line of thinking? Lastly, you kind of shit on my Titans on a recent episode with Roka saying Mike Vrabel had only been to one AFC championship game. Really? Only one in four years? With two other pro- playoff appearances, just go ahead and fire the man. Be well, <laughs> Jason. It's
0: a bit dramatic. I didn't say I didn't say fire Mike Vrabel. I just said I don't I, know. I just said like they've underperformed as a team, and yes, they got to the final, but no one ever really thought that team was going to win a Super Bowl. Not with Tannehill at the quarterback. Um, it just never really felt threatening that team. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify
1: that. Before. Once you lose mm-hmm. your generational talent player for the season with a foot injury yeah you're even when he comes back it's like it's not the same no derrick henry is i tried to explain him to my wife before she ever saw him and i was like <laughs> the guy doesn't make sense on paper and then you see him and you're like listen you have to understand how big he is right now running and then she's yeah. like, dear god that dude is it doesn't make sense
0: when he's on, it looks like he's a man playing with little boys Yeah, because he literally – his arms are so long. It looks like he has – he's – again, like I said, he's a man playing with boys. He has developed physically beyond the people he is playing against. So it looks like he's literally just moving them aside easily Dude. as he runs through the line. It's Dude. kind of insane when he's really dialed in.
1: It is. Um, he reminds me – when I was in eighth grade, I was on the yeah. football team. And we played, like, all kinds of different teams around the city. Yeah. And we played one team where it's the only time I heard parents questioning whether or not they didn't see a birth certificate. (laughs) (laughs) Because the running back was a solid foot taller than all of us. Like, a solid foot, if not more. And he was as big as our – we had a a coach who played uh, offensive tackle in college. And, uh, you know, he was just doing this for fun and for shits and giggles. And he was as big as him, not as like thick, but right. as big as him. And like, hold on, this dude's in the eighth grade <laughs> and we didn't stand a chance. We couldn't tackle him. It didn't matter. He just dragged us with him.
0: Yeah. It's like and, playing basketball now against someone who's like went to division one basketball. It's like you're so far below that person's abilities when you play them. It's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, so to answer your question – this is an interesting question, Jason, you bring up because I do think Vertigo – it's tough because those films are the foundational pieces of what influence the films that we get now. So it's really hard to be like, well, is Vertigo better than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which I think it is actually. Uh, but is it better than There Will Be Blood? Well, you might get a different debate from me on that one uh, overall because it does at times feel a little dated when you watch it, You know, the whole like spinning wheel behind Jimmy Stewart's head and all of that. But that was like what they had to work with at the time. Just like There Would Be Blood will look like Vertigo in 40 years. It's what you had to work with at the time. That's just kind of how it goes. So I understand the desire to kind of be like, well, these films need to get more love. The recent of these films, these are better films. But without those foundational films, a lot of these films that you're enjoying now – wouldn't be as revered as they are because so many of those filmmakers learned how to make films mm-hmm. or were influenced by those, by the foundational films in order to create the films that you love now from the most recent 30 to 40 years.
1: Yeah, you're standing on the shoulder of giants. Yeah. But I understand his point because there are a lot of movies that are held up as classic and you go back and watch them and, and it pales in comparison to what you're assuming that movie is going to be. Now occasionally, mm-hmm. There are ones that even exceed your expectations. Uh, But I think that's a rarer case Um, because you watch a lot of them and you're like, look, the pacing is different. The editing is different. Acting styles are different. Writing is different. So as audiences mature and they've been around the medium for longer, they have certain expectation levels or you don't have to explain things as much because we're used to the idea Mm -hmm. of storytelling in this fashion. Um, But I understand I think his argument has merit in that if we're just going tit for tat, which yeah. is a better movie, it's a lot of these classics are going to lose.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, another part of this, and I, and I think Jason is taking a personal shot cause of the, with the searchers, cause of the Titans situation, which I respect. I get it. You got to take your shots where you can get them. But like the searchers is number one on pretty much any film critics list of the greatest westerns ever made. Almost always number one. So it has aged better than your racist family members because it is a story about a guy who actually is a racist and has to come to terms with the fact that he's a racist and they're closing the door on him in a metaphorical symbolic way that they want to close the door on that kind of mentality in order to move forward and progress as a society. So it still has weight. It still carries resonance, but it does not necessarily make you hate the guy because his kind of existence is still necessary at times for human beings to survive certain situations. So to me, I think it still carries weight. It carries resonance if you can find the symbolism within these films and appreciate them. Like I was just watching The Big Country, which I've never seen before. That's a three-hour Western. And it's Gregory Peck essentially versus Charlton Heston Mm -hmm. for – God, I forget the woman's name, the blonde woman's name. But Gene Simmons is in it as well from uh, Spartacus. And it's such an unusual film with Burl Ives as well. He won a a Best Supporting Actor for Oscar for it. But it is essentially a Western where a guy is in the middle of two warring factions and he is trying to not take a side even though he's marrying the daughter of one of those factions. So in a way, he's trying to play Switzerland in the middle of two warring nations and it's fascinating to watch in a Western and that can resonate to today. We all seem to feel like we want that one person to show up or that one entity to show up that can finally bring what seems to be now even more so lately over the last few days, the tribalistic approach to politics or issues or life or the running of this country or the world rather, any country in the world. You want that person is going to be able to step in and kind of figure it out and not take sides and find a way to appeal to the better parts of our nature and bring us together. And I think so – in a lot of way the older movies – The fact that they still stick around is because a lot of things they talk about are still happening now, man.
1: Yeah, and we've shifted culturally too, where if it's going to get a theatrical release, the lead needs to have a cape. So (laughs) we're not going to get as many of those. Like there will be one in 50 years you brought up earlier is going to be about a superhero who – Got too much power and alienated yeah. himself and now he's living alone if the current trajectory manages to stay. It's
0: <laughs> a good point. It's <laughs> yeah. a very good point.
1: <laughs> so we lose a lot of those films from before. But if you want to tell me like, my fair lady isn't your cup of tea, I'm going to, I'm going to join you in that cup of tea. And well, be that's like, because you hate musicals. Pick another It's movie. not even. It's fine. Fine. <laughs> there are plenty from a bygone era. You don't like Citizen Kane. You can say that, right? Oh, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I, yeah. Do I understand? So the importance of it, like yes, in certain uh technical aspects and like first yeah. dolly shot and all that jazz. Yeah. Do I think it's the greatest movie of all time? Not even close. <laughs> it's just not. Like Gone with the Wind, it does nothing for me. Oh yeah, but, no. I hate Gone with the Wind. Yeah, <laughs> but Wizard of Oz who came out the same exact year. Yeah. I point. think it's still a classic.
0: It still reaches generations. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So absolutely. I think it's just
1: a it's a case by case scenario. But yes, a lot of things that are held up in high regard in that older list. So you have to look back and be like eh, yes, but yeah. We don't have a lot of what we have today without that stuff, so you kind of have to honor it so you don't forget about your past. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird – I I don't know. Even the
0: current ones, Matt, I would think sometimes you kind of get caught up in the – like the 60s and 70s. The 70s, is a lot to revere in the 70s. But like, there's still some films – like for me, McCabe and Mrs. Miller has never worked for me. The Easy Riders is uh, Easy Rider has never worked for me. There's a number of these films that you, okay. you loved back then. And look, you're saying, Jason's saying One of the Cuckoo's Nest. Bro, we're we're going fifty years since that film came out. We're coming upon fifty years. Let that sink in. So at some point, I mean, One of the Cuckoo's Nest is only what, thirty years or less? No, less after the searchers or any of these other films or Vertigo. Yeah. It's probably around the same time. So one Flo of the Cuckoo's Nest has been around longer uh than than uh it was when Vertigo or when vertical was when One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest came out. So this idea, that's what you gotta quantify. I bet there are people, Jason, who are little, maybe younger than you who might tell you that one flow of the Kook's nest isn't as good as something more current that came out ten years ago. Yeah. So there's that's the thing. It always just changes because what you think is a classic from nineteen seventy two or five, whatever that thing came out. It is not going to look as good as we get farther and farther away from it because of the technology. And that film is based on a play. So it kind of had a little more of a leg up because it's already, it's already essentially pre written and worked yeah. out on a stage, you
1: know? Yeah. It already had a fan base to some degree built exactly. into it yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. an expectation exactly. level. You mm. knew where it was going, but, um, yeah, yeah, I do the same thing, Jason, when I see that list of like the greatest movies of all mm. time and I'll go through it and be like, I don't agree. I don't agree. But this yeah. is a, a cumulative opinion list, more than likely. It's like AFI, yeah. it's not just one person, it's there yeah. reaching out to untold number of individuals and compiling yeah. the results. So and, and Matt, I'll tell you this, I think those lists need to change as much as people seem to be
0: clamoring for the Oscars to change. I think those, the critics they pick for those lists needs to come from more diverse voices, more people in the room and what have you, just like people have been clamoring for the Oscars to do that. These AFI lists, any of these lists, sight and sound, whatever they are, they need the, a call from a wider swath of critics than have been before. And every 10 years, those lists need to be updated because you don't need, you don't need 10 years to figure out a movie is a classic. Um, but it's a good barometer. So I always think yeah. they should be updated every 10 years.
1: Shit. I think mm-hmm. they should do. Okay. You have to come up with your list of a hundred or whatever, but you're not allowed to see the previous list. Ooh. I like that idea. Like, that's if you literally lock them in a room and be like, you can't look at the previous list. You have right. to give us your hundred. Yeah. Uh You know, we can give you a computer, but somehow ban all search results and everything else that's going to return <laughs> our list. Any reference to our list? Fuck that. Give him Leonard Malton's book.
0: Just let him know even a computer is the, the book, the movie's book. He still puts it out. That lists every movie ever
1: made. So here, go sure. look through that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, scan through that. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. But- Because certain things are going to go, I guess, look, I mean, it made number 22 on that list. Yeah. yeah. So maybe I should have it on mine. I'll put it in the 50s. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Give me your top 100, like legitimately your top 100. And every 10 years or so, that seems about right. That's part of why I love doing
0: the show we do, man, because it's like it challenges me every week to look at the list of movies and decide for myself what are my top 10. You know, And, and I don't. Turn to other lists other than to give me an idea to remind me of movies I might have forgotten or to get, you know, show me films that I need to watch or take a look at to put on the list. But in no way do I take their ranking in into consideration for my ranking.
1: And so I like that, you know, I I would imagine people listening do exactly what I do, Mm. which is when I see a list or whatever and I disagree with it and be like, well, this fucking list is stupid. I would have had X over Y, or you didn't even have Z, and just like man, you know, it's subjective. <laughs> yeah. It's entirely subjective. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think
0: you know, and that's why we we just have a natural, you know, I think this is why the shows work so long because we just have a natural ability to kind of rank this shit. Because other people I talk to go, I couldn't possibly make a top ten list, and that always kind of blows my mind because it always seemed kind of natural to me to rank yeah. stuff. And I imagine for you too, and maybe it's our sports background that allows us because we're always. Ranking. Cause I mean, Jason, we could look at it. People love Montana. People try to tell you Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the world. Montana is essentially the vertigo to Tom Brady is one flew of the cuckoo's nest. You can make arguments on both sides. So
1: just throwing it out there. I don't know. I still believe Peyton was a better quarterback. Peyton Manning over Tom Brady. Tom Brady now has the longevity and all that jazz. But yeah. At their height, I feared Manning more than I did Brady. Just flat out. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. it's just. When you game plan for the Patriots, you game plan for Belichick. When you game plan for the Colts, you game plan for Manning.
0: That's absolutely true. Essentially a coach on the field, which is, yeah. uh, which is why I think it's hard, uh, It's kind of heartbreaking that he's not a coach now. I think he'd be a phenomenal coach, or GM even.
1: Peyton has the skills. Please. He just saw that deal that uh, Tom signed, <laughs> Yeah, and it was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you know he cooks up for. Because he's a much better personality. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. Tom's going to fail at this.
0: You do you really? You think Tom's going to fail at being? Have a, you ever
1: seen yeah. him be engaging? and personal? No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, no. they fired
0: Breeze after one year because he was yeah, boring. Yeah, he sucks. On the mic. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I would, it, look. I didn't know Romo was going to be that good, but it's oh. a much taller bar to clear. Of like, you need to be entertaining. I think you're not wrong. I I, I didn't. It's not that I thought Romo would be successful to this level,
0: but Romo's interviews were always engaging. Like, he never was boring. Tom is like five words or ball busting or little shots here and there. But you don't necessarily feel like he'd actually, you know, be willing. I don't know if he can make the – I think that's a great point. I don't think if you make that jump. I don't necessarily sense that vibe from him, you know.
1: No, unless it's going to be like the X's and O's and here's a breakdown of what the defense is doing and whatnot. Right, right. Like Kenny Smith and shit, yeah. But to be jovial and drop jokes and everything else, like no fucking chance. I've never seen any inkling of that. Whereas Peyton – is one of the best hosts on SNL. Yes, right, right. He's and fantastic. Really- oh, John just froze. I'm not entirely sure, but he is in complete agreement with my Manning assessment, I'm assuming. Could be the uh Wi-Fi uh, lapse or something momentarily where he's at. But it's a good question, Jason. I think rightly so to question those lists the validity of those lists because over time certain things just don't age as well as others and people's opinions and tastes change so you would think that they would update the list but it's kind of on some level set in stone these are the holy grail movies that have to make this list and you i guess question that Sorry, And perhaps with – oh, Sorry. there you are.
0: Sorry about that. <laughs> we go. Ahead. Let's keep going.
1: Um,
0: uh, I'm in a hotel room. What can I tell you, people? I, I'm, I'm, I've got the Ethernet cord connected, but you never know with this kind of shit. Um, all right. All right you know, look, do you want
1: to move on? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Thank you, Jason. It was a
0: great question. Yes, thank you, Jason. Um, uh, All right. Let me k- get out of the uh, – okay, so Charles Kim is here. Charles Kim, he says, hello, gents. I hope all is well. Hopefully this is a new question for you, but I was wondering, which movie scenes traumatized you as kids and maybe even now as adults? For example, the ending of Charlotte's Web scarred many young viewers, a feeling which still lasts to this day. Here are the top three traumatizing movie scenes from my youth, in case you were wondering. Mm -hmm. Superman 3, what? When the woman turns into a cyborg. Sure, sure. Sure. Uh, Mask, to be honest, I never saw the film, but just seeing Rocky Dennis's face in commercials terrified me. So that's the Eric Stoltz film, not the Jim Carrey film. Robocop, when Murphy's hand gets blown off. Oh, hell yeah. I look forward to hearing your examples. Thanks for everything. All right. Matt Nost, traumatized as a kid or as an adult from a movie?
1: Well, scenes? Mask is really good. I would recommend watching it. Yeah, that's a good film. Um, and it's based on a real person and the, it's, it's an interesting story that you don't see on on film as much. Yeah. Uh see the first things that came to mind um I hated parenthood just because it's 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 a movie for adults with their kids in it my parents took me to it and I I hated every What traumatized you about parenthood? I think just the fact that I love Steve Martin so much. Oh. And it was yeah. going into it with certain expectations but parenthood. traumatized let's see the aliens crawling through the rafters in aliens oh, 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 yeah, i rented man. that movie and uh watched it over a buddy's house and i was scared shitless oh, yeah. like it it scared me to no end that's when paxton like lifts up the, the yep. great and they look up, and up there and you yeah. see them they're crawling <laughs> you know on their backs on the sides of the walls yeah. on the the floor of the vent itself sure. and uh cuz he's like <laughs> they're everywhere man and then they look up there and uh yeah. yeah. Isn't it Bean that looks up above? Oh, is it Michael Bean who looks up? Oh, I thought it was Paxton. All right, fair enough. Yeah. Paxton is freaking out because he's got the scanner, if memory right, serves. Right, right. Uh, but I thought it was Bean
0: that looks. Maybe it is. Up Maybe above. it is. It's uh, scary as fuck. That's for sure when it happens. You're right about that.
1: Yeah. Jaws scared me so much that the indoor pool at the YMCA where we'd swim as kids. Yeah. In the deep end had, uh, to signify that it was the deep end underneath the diving boards. Like, it was in an L shape, so the the bottom smaller part of the L was where the diving area was. And there was a black painted uh, shark down there. What the fuck? And it was just, just in the back to signify this is the deep end. I don't know why they did it. But I would swim right to the edge where it opened up to make that right for the L. And you'd see it painted against the back wall, and I'd turn around, and I'd swim the other way. What the fuck? Yeah, even though I know there's no shark in there. Yeah, no. <coughs> still. Uh, still. Yeah, it's... I, Scared the ever-living shit out of me. I shouldn't have seen that movie (laughs) when I was a kid. My parents were pretty liberal about what movies I was allowed to see. Yeah. Uh, That's why it became a stand-up comic. Yeah, perhaps. (laughs) Uh, Nudity um, was like the only big thing that... uh, Oh, yeah. Right. And like excessive, gratuitous violence. Hence, having to rent aliens and watch it at a friend's house. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, I was a big fan of like Eddie Murphy movies when I was way too young. But man was funny. Um,
0: I I think it has to be. Well, I mean, I think the first Halloween movie—that's for sure. I mean, okay. I, you know, obviously Jaws. We we've talked about that before. So I'm trying to find stuff that like we haven't talked about before. I, you know, I've talked about Jaws. I've talked about uh, um Nosferatu, freaking me out when I was a kid. I talked about Trilogy of Terror for people who remember the 1970s compilation of stories there with Lauren, was it Lauren? No, it was uh, Karen Black getting terrorized by this little pygmy African doll that she brought back that comes to life and like stabs her. It's fucking insane. But no, um, when it comes to the movies themselves, you know, the, the Halloween, when he is reaching for her in the closet, that, cause I get anxiety in tight spaces, mm-hmm. uh, and watching her freaking out as he is like, just fucking shoving his hand through the slats of the door and trying to reach for her. as she's like trying to fend him off with hangers and shit. That is a, awesome sequence that unsettled the hell out of me when i watched it um
1: uh what else uh
0: How about
1: uh yeah temple of doom what is it Kate Kate capshaw when she pushes she has to go and pull that lever or whatever and all the bugs oh. start running up oh, her arms oh my god yeah more than the snakes in indiana more than the snakes in Raiders. oh yeah not even close yeah yeah that
0: that shit fucked me up yeah the sure.
1: snakes in the the spiders in the first one were oh yeah the spiders were not fun yeah yeah but all those and they were honestly looking back when you watch it now, they're like stick bugs. Yeah, right, 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 right. Just completely harmless stuff. But as a kid, i would never seen anything like that. It was oh The, yeah. the heart being ripped out did nothing. Yeah. Other than like, oh my God, he ripped his heart out, you know, cause that, I was, when they come out? 1986, 1987? Yeah.
0: Something like that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So I was like seven or eight and I thought the heart rip out scene was awesome. It's like beating at right. his hand, but the bugs freaked me out that's a real thing that's why that's a real thing yeah exactly the heart ripping out is not whereas the bugs are like oh
0: well i mean and and stuff that stuff that is just gross or you know like he's talking about turning into a robot or rocky dennis's face or murphy's like that kind of stuff certainly traumatizes you but also if you like are empathetic in any way or have emotions in any way. I mean, that scene where at the end of the fly, where he lifts up the shotgun to his head to ask her to kill him like that is traumatizing, man. That is, that is, that is even as I talk about it now, I get emotional because that scene always fucks me up always because it's his last desperate attempt at humanity. Like it's his last desperate shred of humanity telling her for the love of God, kill me because I cannot go on any longer. Like, and look at what I've become and look what I am and the pain. And that is just—that's traumatizing, you know, when you're a teenager of yeah. uh, thinking of a situation like that. Because you think about, well, if you were in, you're paraplegic, or you were in a terrible car accident, or you were in something where, you know, what would be your um feelings about it? Would you want to go on? And of course, there's nothing else to – people who do go on, and God loved them for having the courage to go on. But what would you do? What would be your thought processes, you know? And so yeah. it,
1: that kind of stuff just kind of wow. uh, messes with you, yeah. If you want to talk teenagers, so I had one friend that. um you know, as you're trying to find who you are mm. type of thing as you're growing. Sure. So he went through a period of like, I'm going to be into weird and shocking things, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So he ended up, we watched Kids, and he really liked oh. Kids the most. Oh, movie. shit. Yeah, so right he went out that. and bought Gummo, and he was oh. like, we're going to watch our Gummo or however the fuck Yeah, Gummo. It's Gummo. It's gummo. <laughs> gummo. And movie, I sat down and watched that with him. And we both were like, what the fuck did we just watch? Like that was yeah. traumatizing in a way of what, why, why did you do this? Why did I spend my life watching this? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, It's, it's one of those, you see it once, you're never going to forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. But that movie, I stay away. <laughs> Kids, there's something to it. Like it's a weird story. Sure. 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 But it's a little gummo's. more connectable, gummo. Yeah, where the fuck on out there? I uh, just, it's, yeah, you know, I don't know, disturbing for no other reason than to be disturbing. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I don't know if kids remember or people are listening or remember. Like
0: Willard, the original Willard, not the remake with Crispin Glover. The original Willard was really unsettling, um, and Ben too. The two films about rats, about them befriend the guys befriending rats. That I remember that being a pretty traumatic thing as I was growing up watching that, like, on TV on the local station. And it was just such a weird movie that it was, like, really traumatized to see him befriending. And then all those rats come in to the house and kill and all of that. It's like, oh, my God. To this day, if I ever hear about a rat or see a rat, I freak the fuck out and want to take a hammer to it. Like, it just it kind of unsettles the shit out of me. So
1: Yeah. Mice, um, I have zero problem with rats. Yeah, right. You can fucking die. <laughs> you can die. Yeah. I don't care if they're good for the environment. I don't give a yeah, about of the it. ecological stuff. None shit. of oh, it. Just man. give me more mice. I'm happy with them. <laughs> we had a little mouse in our house and it was adorable. Oh, see. That's and cute. eventually like figured out how he was getting in and just yeah. plugged the hole in essence. I put out, so we only had rat traps. Yeah. Because when we first moved in the underside of the house, there was a couple, you know, points of ingress. So he had like four or five rats under the house and I put out traps, killed them all, plugged up the holes, you know, no mm-hmm. more. So all I had were rat traps and the thing's big. I mean, we're talking yeah. uh six inches or Jesus. eight inches long by, you know, <sighs> I'm talking about the trap. Oh, the trap. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You got to take out a rat. Some of those rats are fucking massive. Yep. And this is a tiny little mouse. It's probably three inches long. And then the tail is another like two inches. So, you know, it's like this big. Yeah. But it's tiny little body And I put out a rat trap Out on the deck With some food To try and get it out there Because I didn't know What it was at first right. And I look out And I just see this tiny mouse Sitting next to the Triggering mechanism Taking its tiny little paw And just picking off Peanut butter And eating it And I was like You're too fucking adorable So please finish And I'll just figure out How you're getting in Because I don't want to kill you He was so tiny And so cute But the rat <laughs> If it was a rat Like I don't Yeah You, you, yeah, you can all die You, you can can all truck die. with
0: rats Yeah I appreciate yeah. that Yeah, well, I agreed, agreed. Um, I can't think. Oh, the Pinocchio scene when he turns into a donkey—that certainly traumatized me. I've talked, I've, I've talked about that on the show before. Um, what else? I mean, uh, the death. I mean, obviously, the Optimus Prime death. I think a lot of people were traumatized by that. Didn't anticipate him dying in that movie. Um, I remember seeing "To Live and Die in L.A." and I remember when, when. uh, I actually don't want to ruin this movie for people, but when the lead, when something happens to the lead three-quarters of the way into the movie and the secondary lead has to all of a sudden become the lead, I remember that being like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Even the scene in The Departed when he's coming off the elevator, that shit fucked me up because it was like I hadn't seen Infernal... uh Is it Infernal, yeah, Infernal Affairs? Affairs. Yeah. And so I didn't know what was going to happen. And when that happens in such a brutal fashion, out of the blue... That shit fucked me up for a bit, man, watching them. Because it's like you start to – you're really on that guy's side and all the shit DiCaprio's been through.
1: And then that moment happens and you're like, fuck, you know? Um, Uh, Yeah, But, yeah, hopefully that's enough examples for you, Charles. Great question. Thank you, Charles. Thank you to Charles and Jason and everybody that supports us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. So please hit us up over there. You can follow the show at top 10 Show. And on uh, Instagram and YouTube it is forward slash the top 10 podcast, all spelled out or pardon me with the number 10. Um, so please hit us up and you can follow me anywhere at Madnost.
0: And you can follow me at the Roca says, all right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of topic.
1: Thunder. Ooh.